Great to see you guys. A um, couple announcements I want to share with you before we dive in today in this uh, final part of our series called Playbook. Um, hopefully, most of you guys are on our weekly email um, this past Friday. There was a lot of important information um, on that weekly email, but in case you missed it, I just want to um, just give you a heads up and I'll give you kind of the cliff notes of some of the things on there. Um, first off, in our lobby, there's a couple things that you're gonna notice today. If you maybe missed it on the way in, you can check it out on the way out. One, we have a table set up with uh, information about crisis care kits. Crisis care kits are um, things that you can pack. You can get a, a two-gallon Ziploc bag. There's a list of instructions of items that you can get at home um, that you can probably have you know, in the you know, Walgreens or you know, the grocery store that you could pick up and you can fill in those bags and you can bring them back into church and it gets sent to crisis locations throughout the world. Um, all of us have probably heard by now about uh, the earthquakes that have impacted Turkey and Syria. Um, we are in desperate need to start, again, collecting crisis care kits as they are already going out into this world region to be able to help people um, who are in need right now, who've lost homes, who've lost loved ones, um, who just need to feel the love of Christ. And so I want to encourage you to be able to do that. We're going to collect for the next couple weeks, um, and we have a team who's going to be going down to Fawn Grove um, from our district assembly, um, and they are going to take all of the crisis care kits that come in uh, to that location to kind of replenish it and to continue being able to help in world areas when things like this happen. The other er way you can always help, too, is if you're not actively giving to Faith Promise. That is another big way that you can help um, spread the love of Jesus throughout the world. And you can do that again by going to our website at www.firstlight.love and you can click on give and you can click on Faith Promise and everything that you give there as an offering um, directly goes to be able to spread the gospel throughout the world. And so that's another way that you can um, be involved globally. The other thing I wanna let you guys know about is Alabaster. So February, we do an emphasis on alabaster, and alabaster is really about the effort of building uh, churches, church buildings, medical centers, things like that throughout the world. It specifically focuses on buildings. And um, one of the ways that we support Alabaster is we have Alabaster boxes that you can start taking home today if you want to, and to put kind of change or loose money in that. Oftentimes people make a sacrifice and they say, hey, for this season of Lent, I'm gonna maybe give up coffee or something like that, you know, one less Starbucks a day, whatever it might be. And they put that in their alabaster box. And then on Palm Sunday, the kids are probably gonna come in here, you know, waving their Hosanna branches and we are gonna collect that alabaster offering on Palm Sunday. So you guys have several weeks to be able to do that. You can grab your alabaster box in the foyer. And then one more announcement, which wasn't in our weekly email because I thought it would be much better to do this personally to you guys. Um, Pastor Amanda Lawton and her husband Aaron, her daughter Lathia, Amanda is seated right over there. If you can wave your hand, Amanda and Aaron are right over there. Um, we love Amanda and her family so much. Amanda's been a part of this church for many, many years. She has served as our student pastor. She has served as our family and children pastor. And more recently, for the last several years, she has been our Lighthouse Daycare Director and our Preschool Pastor. And she has done a tremendous job in all of those different areas of ministry. She's also served on our district in a lot of areas, helping with camps and all of those kinds of things. Um, she has made a powerful, powerful impact in this church, in this congregation, in this community. Um, many of you know that she is a multiple 
organ transplant recipient. And this COVID pandemic has been especially difficult for her and for her health. In fact, in the last year, she has gotten the coronavirus four times. Um, the last two times has put her in the ICU um, and she was in critical condition the last time she was in there. And she has a medical team of experts in Boston. She met with them um, about two weeks ago and they gave her a, a pretty strong reality check where they told her, um, at this point, we do not have the proper medications to truly be able to protect you. You have to put some boundaries in your life to protect yourself. And under their recommendation, she is going to resign. She is stepping down um, as our Lighthouse Director. They have told her that she needs to avoid um, public settings as much as possible and wear an N95 mask if she goes out in public. And so her family really wants to continue to be a part of our church community. We want her to be a part of our church community. But I want us to just love her really well as a church and to love her family really well as a church. And so can all of you make a commitment to help me to do that? So as much as we want to hug her and grab her and do all of those kinds of things, when you see her walk in, give her a wave, give her a smile, but also protect her by allowing her to have a barrier. And sometimes she's going to sit off to the side. Sometimes she might be more comfortable going up to the balcony with her family and sitting up in the balcony. Um, we've been blessed by God to have the space in the room to allow people with, with health conditions to be able to do that in this congregation. Um, we we want to love her really, really well. So what we have done is in the lobby, we've set up a table um, with a little card box with her family's photograph on it. And what we're asking you guys to do is over the next, you know, several weeks, next, you know, even couple months, um, we want you to bless their family in as many ways as you can. Cards of love, encouragement, gift cards, whatever you need to do, just let Amanda know you love her, even though you physically can't wrap your arms around her or maybe show up at her house and deliver a meal because, again, we need to protect her. Is that something you guys can help me with? Awesome. And can we let Amanda and her family know we love her? All right. Well, good morning, everybody, and happy Super Bowl Sunday. Um, any of you guys planning on watching the big game today? Show of hands. All right. All right. More than half of you guys. That's good. Um, who here is rooting for the Chiefs? A few of you guys. Any Eagles fans? All right, I won't hold it against you. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Anybody like me who's not really interested in the game, you just want some pizza, some wings, and watch your girl Rihanna at the halftime show blow the roof off the thing. Yes, all right. My people, my people. Amen. Well, today uh, we're wrapping up this first series of the new year called Playbook. And if you haven't been with us the last several weeks, uh, first of all, what's your problem? Second of all, this... <laughs> This is kind of the big question that we've been asking, okay, just to catch you up. Here's the question. The question is, if there really is a God, and this God has a really big, great, incredible plan for your life, how do we figure out what that plan is? How do we figure out what that plan is? And so in this series, what we've been doing is we've been encouraging all of you guys to pray, to start praying this really simple but also really powerful prayer, and that prayer is this. God, show me your plan for my life. God, show me your plan for my life. But, but I think we would agree that what would make this a whole lot easier 
is if God would simply audibly speak to us and just tell us what to do, right? I, I mean, how cool would that be? How cool would it be if God said, hey, do this, move there, marry him or her? Like how much easier would life be if God just did that? In fact, people would come up to us and they would be like, how did you know to take that job? God told me. How did you know to go to that college? God told me. How did you know they were the one? I didn't need match.com. God told me. That would be absolutely unbelievable. But the problem is, it's not that easy, is it? In fact, have you ever tried to listen to God? Maybe it's just me, but every time, you know, I've ever had a decision, maybe that I've had to make immediately, and I was like, God, you know, if you're there, will you just tell me what to do? Have any of you been there where you've just had to make a decision and you've kind of been there? A lot of you guys, okay, so you feel me. And I'm like, God, will you just speak to me? The problem that I have is that my mind tends to wander. And it kind of goes like this for me. God, I need you to speak to me. I've got this big decision coming up. So I'm just going to clear my mind right now. Ready, set, go. Anytime now, God. Anytime. Wonder if the Patriots are ever going to win the Super Bowl again. That's right, the Super Bowl's today. When's kickoff? I hope Julie's going to make those meatballs. Mmm, meatballs. And my mind just wanders. It just goes in different directions. Has that ever happened to you when you've tried to pray or communicate or talk to God? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm not alone. See? It's just hard for my mind to stay focused. Or how about this? Has this ever happened to you? I, I try to get really still and really quiet. And I say, God, I've got this decision to make. Will you please speak to me? I'm going to get on my knees on the side of my bed. I'm going to put my head on the side of my bed, on my knees. I'm going to get quiet. I'm going to bow my head real still, real quiet. And then you wake up. It's like 30 minutes later. You're on the floor with a pool of drool out of your mouth, right? Has that ever happened to you? And here's what you think. You feel guilty, right? You're like, I just fell asleep on God. I wonder if he noticed. Pretty sure he did, right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's easier for super spiritual folks like Pastor Nancy. Maybe it's easier for them. But for us normal folks, it just feels kind of difficult to figure out how to listen to God. You know, that's why growing up in church, whenever somebody would say something like, God spoke to me, or God told me to do this, whenever I heard that, I was always very, very skeptical. And I didn't question their sincerity as a person, but I would hear that and I would think, how do you know that God really spoke to you? Like, how do you know it wasn't that burrito that you ate last night that just is not agreeing with you? Or your own internal voice or your conscience talking to you, telling you what you want to hear. And, and to top it all off, I mean, my family situation was a little bit different. My dad ran a mental health agency. So I was exposed as a kid to a lot of people growing up 
who told me they talked to God and they were all heavily medicated, okay? So I was skeptical. I was like, how do you know? And so what we end up doing is we try to confirm, you know, God's voice through our circumstances. See if this sounds familiar to you. Have you ever had a Christian friend come up to you and say something like this? Hey, I realize now that this person I'm dating, they're the one for me. And so I'm going to pop the question and we're going to get married. And you go, that's great. That's awesome. What made you realize that? And they go, well, we have this song. And it came on the radio. Like on our very first date, it was like playing. And then on our one-month anniversary, I heard it again. And on our six-month anniversary, I heard it again. And the other day, I was driving my car, and I heard the song three times back to back to back on three different radio stations that I turned to. So it was totally God speaking. It's destiny. Okay, maybe, maybe. Or maybe the programming directors on those three different radio stations are using the same playlist. Maybe it's that, right? And look, I know I sound skeptical, right? And I'm supposed to be the pastor of the church giving you guys confidence in your faith. But the point is, how do we know for sure that it's God? The other thing we do is we, we try to search for God's voice through signs, in fact, every few months, somebody claims to have seen the face of Jesus on something. Have you seen that? And they, they, they kind of conclude that it's a sign from God. People have claimed to see Jesus on a tree trunk, a grilled cheese sandwich, a potato chip, and in the plot twist of an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Okay? I'm not even making these up. The potato chip and the grilled cheese sandwich were put up on eBay. My point is this. Can God do that? Can God send signs? Absolutely, okay? He's God. He can do whatever he wants. But I think it, it, it's kind of sad that we've reduced God, the, the creator, the inventor of communication, the greatest communicator of all time, down to a God in heaven who's going, I want to communicate with my children I've got a lot of great stuff, a lot of really important things I want to share with them. How do I do it? How do I do it? I know what I'll do. Somebody get Utz on the line. I'm going to put the face of my son on one of their chips. Like, really? Do we really think that? So you hear me say all this this morning, and maybe you ask the question, all right then, Pastor. When it comes to hearing God's voice, do you even believe that God still speaks? That's a good question. And my answer is, absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, I believe God is still speaking. Well, okay, if you think God is still speaking, has God ever spoken out loud, audibly to you? No. I can't say that I've ever experienced the audible voice of God personally. Well, then how do you know God is speaking? And that's what I want to talk about today as we wrap up this series. Because here's the incredible news. There really is a God. And he really does love you. And he really does have an incredible plan for your life. But it gets even better. He actually wants to communicate those plans to you. And here's what I've discovered. When you and, under, you and I understand how to better position ourselves to listen to God, 
we will hear God speak. You see, the question today isn't does God speak anymore? The question is, have we put ourselves in a position to better listen to God as he speaks? Because when we put ourselves in position to listen, God speaks very, very clearly. Let me give you an example. One day I was sitting in my living room and I had a football game on TV and it was at a commercial. And my wife, Julie, she comes in the room and she starts having a conversation with me. And so, so we're conversing and a few minutes into this conversation, the commercial ends and the game resumes and a really interesting play happens on the kickoff. Now, mind you, she was still having a conversation with me. But my attention had now shifted to the football game. I mean, I was facing her, and I was nodding my head, but I was looking right over her shoulder at the television set, trying to figure out what was happening on the screen, okay? And my wonderful wife, God bless her, continued, not realizing that, having a conversation with me, but Elvis had left the building. Now, for those of you watching online this morning, nearly every woman in here is giving me a dirty look at this point, okay? And I know I'm the only husband who's done this, right, men? None of you guys have, have done this, but stay with me. So we end the conversation. It gets worse. And about two minutes later, I asked Julie a question about something she had literally just told me. Some of the women in here are now going, you must die, all right? <laughs> so as you might imagine, my wife was not happy with me, it did not go well for me in the Vias home that day. Here's my point. Was Julie talking to me? Yes, absolutely. But I was not in position to listen. And so because of that, I missed vital information in that communication. And here's what's so great about this. I know that every single person in here today, I can tell you something I know about all of you, whether you're here, whether you're watching online, I know that all of you want to be great decision makers. You do. Nobody in their right mind is going, I think I'd like to screw up my life today. <laughs> Mess up my kids. Bust up my marriage. How can I ruin my future? That would be fun. Let me do that. No. All of you want to make great decisions about your relationships, about your finances, about your career, about raising kids. You want to make great decisions in your life. And guess what? You're not the only one who wants that for you. You're not the only one who wants that for you. There is a God who made you, who loves you, and who deeply desires for you to make great decisions in your life. And he knows that you'll make some great decisions in your life if you position yourself and allow him into that decision-making process. So in order to line up ourselves with God, I'm going to share with you three questions today. We're going to kind of unpack. If you're taking notes, you can jot these down. We're going to look at three questions today. And this series has really been building over these last several weeks. We've really been building up to these three questions that will put you in position to hear from the creator of the universe, to hear him speak into your life. We're going to look really briefly at the first two because we've covered them 
in this series already a little bit. And then we're going to dive in on the third one today. So here we go. Question number one. Question number one. Is this decision I'm about to make consistent with Scripture? Is this decision consistent with Scripture? As you face a decision, is this decision consistent with biblical principles? Now, this question is based on what we talked about a few weeks ago in the series when we talked about three basic elements of God's will, if you guys remember that. We talked about God's providential will, God's moral will, and God's personal will for our lives. And we said the more we can understand God's providential will, the things that he's going to do because he's God and nobody can stop it, it's going to happen, and the more we understand God's moral will of right and wrong, the clearer we're going to be on God's personal will in our lives. So have you put yourself in a position where your decision is consistent with Scripture? See, people get excited about Jesus' face on a potato chip. But here's a way greater miracle than that. It's called the Bible. It's a way greater miracle than that. Do you have any idea the lengths that God had to go through to get this book to you? I mean, there have been kingdoms and governments that have tried to stamp this book and the writings of this book out of existence. And God's providential will through history has said, no, it's not going to happen. You're not going to keep my word from them. And some of us have four or five of these little miracles sitting in our home somewhere, and we've yet to crack it open in months or years or ever. And then we wonder, why is God so silent in my life? God's not silent. We haven't put ourselves in position to listen. Question number two. Is this decision consistent with God's thumbprint on me? Is this decision consistent with the gifts and abilities that God has wired into me? Because we're all different. Did you know that? Here's the amazing thing about you. In the history of the world, billions and billions of people who have been on this earth, there has never been someone exactly like you, and there never will be. You are uniquely created by God with unique strengths and unique giftings. So does this decision you're about to make, does it fit the way that you are uniquely wired by God? Because that's important, and only you can answer that. Those are the first two questions. But it's the third question that I really want to dive into and unpack today because it's kind of new for us. Now, this third question is going to be introduced to us today by a leader. And his name is Rehoboam. Rehoboam. Now, you may not be familiar with Rehoboam, but you're probably familiar with his dad because his dad is one of the the greatest figures in human history. His dad was considered to be by many the wisest man to ever live. He was the original most interesting man in the world. Let's give it up this morning for King Solomon, everybody. King Solomon. That's Rehoboam's dad. But not only that, Rehoboam's grandfather, does anyone know who his grandfather was? 
King David. Yeah, his grandfather's King David. So Rehoboam has this incredible lineage. His grandfather's King David. His dad's the wisest man who ever lived, most interesting man in the world, King Solomon. And Solomon now comes to the end of his life, and he passes on leadership of the kingdom to his son, Rehoboam, when he dies. And Rehoboam begins to run the kingdom of Israel. And as he's running the kingdom, early on, he's presented with this really big decision. And this decision comes with a deadline. He's got three days, just three days, to make this big decision. And it has to do with an adversary of his father's, a man by the name of Jeroboam. See, when when Solomon died, Jeroboam, his adversary, comes to Rehoboam, his son, and he says, hey, I I know your dad and I had issues. We didn't politically agree. I mean, he's a a Democrat, I'm a Republican. We, We didn't really get along on a lot of things. But I'm just wondering if you and I can start over. Can we just kind of start over and bury the hatchet? And as Rehoboam considers this decision, he does something remarkable. He's faced with this third question, and he actually models for us in Scripture what not to do. He models for us what not to do. And this story is found, if you have your Bibles with you or Bible app on your phone, 1 Kings chapter 12 is where we're going to hang out today. 1 Kings chapter 12. So let's examine it. We'll put verses on the screen as always too. Because the implications in this story from Scripture is so powerful for all of us even today. Here is Rehoboam's story, 1 Kings 12, picking up verse 1. 1 Kings 12, picking up verse 1, and it says this. It says that Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all the Israelites had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he returned from Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. So Jeroboam basically says, hey, can we strike a deal? I know your dad and I didn't get along. We were on opposite ends, but, but can we start over as friends? And so Rehoboam thinks about it, and he does something really, really important. Watch what he does. Picking up in verse 5, here's what he says. Rehoboam answered, go away for three days, and then come back to me. So all the people did what? They went away. Rehoboam basically says, can you give me some time to think about that? This is a, a monumental decision. This is a decision that might change the course of the kingdom. I need time to pray and think. Pretty good move by Rehoboam, wouldn't you agree? Pretty good move. And then the next move he does is also a pretty good move. Check this out, picking up in verse 6. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. This is a great move on Rehoboam's part. And here is what this council of wise elders, these wise men who worked with his dad, who who lived life, who sat and broke bread and lived life with the wisest person who ever lived and helped give him counsel. These are the guys who he's talking to. They'd been around his dad. Here's what they said to Rehoboam, verse 7. 
They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and if you will serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. So basically this wise group of elders says, Rehoboam, this is a deal you should take. This is a really good deal. If you do this, they're going to be loyal to you. This is going to be a fresh start for the kingdom. And then Rehoboam does something interesting. He says, okay, thanks for the information. And then he turns to his high school buddies, the guys he grew up with, his gang, his posse, the guys he pulled pranks with. He says, fellas, how about you? What do you think I should do? And in verse 10, his boys say this, 1 Kings 12, picking up in verse 10, the young men who he had grown up with replied, tell these people who have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them my little finger is thicker than my daddy's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I'll make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. So Rehoboam has a dilemma. Who should he listen to? Because who he listens to is going to determine his decision, right? Now let me ask all of you a question. As you look at your life, as you look at the decisions that you're making in your life, who are you listening to? Because who you're listening to is critical. And here's why. Don't miss this. This is kind of our bottom line for today. The people you listen to are the forecast of the future you. The people you listen to are the forecast of the future you. It, it's why when I meet with married couples who've hit like a rough spot in their marriage, and there's no such thing as a perfect marriage, by the way, we say that all the time here, no perfect people, right? Jesus is the only one who's perfect. But when I'm counseling a couple who's struggling in a marriage, one of the first questions I ask them is this, who are you listening to? Who are you getting advice from? As you're struggling right now, who are you listening to? And often the wife will say, well, I'm listening to some of my girlfriends, and, and they're, they're giving me some advice. And the husband will say, well, I'm listening to some of my guy friends. And I'm like, okay, all right, that's cool. Now, these friends, as you look at their lives, do they have marriages that you would say, someday I want to have a marriage just like them? That would be a dream of mine to have the kind of marriage they have. And often the couple will, will think and they'll go, well, well no. <laughs> I mean, my friend's relationships are jacked up. They're, they're single. And I look at them and I, I say, time out. <laughs> Hold on a second. Did you know that the people you listen to are a forecast of the future you? So if you want to be like them, keep listening to them. But when I talk to a couple, if instead they go, you know, we hit a tough spot, but there's this older couple at our church, and they've been through, you know, different ups and downs in their marriage, but they got through it, and they have stayed in love, and they've worked hard at it. You know, they're, they're called the Shushlers, and we love them. And so we're going out to lunch with them. We're taking them out to lunch to learn more about their marriage and how they've, did it, how they've done it and how they, they've stayed together for so long. We're listening to them. 
Because someday we hope to have a marriage just like them. We want to be in our 80s and our 90s and still in love with each other. I look at them, I look at that couple, and I say, you're on the right track. You're on the right track. Why? Because the people you listen to are a forecast of the future you. So who are you listening to? If you're in a financial crisis, are you listening to someone who is in crippling financial debt? Or are you signing up for a finance class with people who have their finances together? And this is not judgment. This is discernment. Be friends with everyone. One of our core values here is what? Loved people what? Love people. Be friends with everyone. But who you go to to get critical information in life and advice in life, man, you better be selective. You better be really selective because the people you listen to are a forecast of the future you. And this is true for you. This is true for me. This is true for everyone. And this was very, very, very true in Scripture for Rehoboam. Check out who he listened to, verse 12. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam, as the king had said. Come back to me in three days. The king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young man. He said, my father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. And did you notice that he basically quotes, he basically repeats what his high school buddies said to him? Why is that important? Say it with me. Because what? Because the people you listen to are a forecast of the future you. Let's say it together on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. The people you listen to are a forecast of the future you. And so the result of this decision, I mean, it's total disaster. And you can go, you know, check out your Bible and read it on your own, the rest of the story. But basically, as you can imagine, the people rise up. There's a revolution. And the kingdom of Israel is torn apart. In fact, Israel only survived three kings. King Saul, King David, and King Solomon before Rehoboam blew the whole thing up. But it didn't have to be that way. If only Rehoboam had applied this third question to his thinking, and if only he had positioned himself to really listen to God. So here it is, question number three. Is this decision consistent with wise, godly counsel? Is this decision I'm about to make consistent with wise, godly counsel? If Rehoboam had gone with the counsel of the wise elders, history would have been different would have been completely different. But instead, he went with foolish, foolish counsel. Now, I, I can give you a couple examples of how this plays out in my own life. Since I was a teenager and became a Christian, freshman in high school, I have sought out people in my life whose lives I looked at and I said, I want to be like them someday. I want that kind of marriage. I want to be that kind of a dad. I want to be that kind of a Christian. I want to be that kind of a pastor. And so I would seek out mentors, and on a consistent basis, 
I would try to watch them and learn from them and go out to coffee with them, get together whenever I could, call them on a phone, say, hey, here's what's going on in my life right now. Here's the system I'm wrestling with. What do you think I should do? When I got married and went into full-time ministry, I would share all the things that God was doing at our church and how excited I was and all these things that were going on. And a mentor of mine who I still meet with every two weeks on a phone call with, this mentor would say, that's awesome, AJ. So glad all that stuff is going on in church. Now, how much time are you investing in your wife and your kids? Are they your priority? Or do they get sacrificed to church? Ouch, right? But when I walked away from those conversations, the message from God was clear. Don't ever forget, no matter how much you're trying to live for God and serve God and help people, don't ever forget who your greatest ministry assignment is. It's to be a godly husband and to be a godly father. Don't you dare ever forget that. And now my wife and I, we try to do the same thing with other godly couples who are wise. We try to find those people and go out to dinner with them and get together with them. And when we get together with these couples over dinner, sometimes it seems like it's just a matter of minutes and they might notice something we're struggling with and they go, hey, we've been there. Here's what you ought to do. And let me tell you, the clouds don't part and I don't see the face of Jesus in my grilled chicken over dinner. But God, as clear as day, speaks to me through wise, godly people. When you put yourself in a position on a consistent basis to surround yourself with wise, godly people and to listen to what they have to say, I think God takes notice and he says, oh, you want to hear from me? I'll speak to you. I'll use them. So I'll ask again, what about you? Who are the people in your life that you're listening to? Because it's true about you and it's true about me that the people you listen to are the forecast of the future you. And your heavenly father loves you so much that he has given you this incredible miracle known as the Bible. And he has given you the power of prayer. And he has given you the thumbprint of himself in gifts and abilities. And he has given you the Holy Spirit living inside you. And if you will pray and ask him, God, will you bring wise godly counsel into my life, he will answer that prayer. So the question isn't, is God speaking? The question is, are you listening? And I'm not trying to put God in a box this Sunday. God can speak in many ways. Again, he's God. He can do miraculous things. But you can use these three questions consistently to verify if God is speaking. Number one, is this decision consistent with Scripture? Number two, is this decision consistent with God's thumbprint on me? And number three, is this decision consistent with wise, godly counsel? And my prayer for you this week is that the Holy Spirit of the living God would stick that in your heart in such a way that you would never, ever Forget it. So before we wrap up today's service and this entire series, to help kind of make it stick, 
I want to close today with a visual image. And this image is simply this. It's a traffic light. It's a traffic light. And here's what I know about traffic lights. You're probably going to see one this week. In fact, for many of you, you're going to see one on your way home from church this morning. And my hope is for the rest of your life moving forward, whenever you see a traffic light, you're going to ask yourself this question, maybe in the back of your mind, am I putting myself in a position to really listen to God? And let me show you how this works, and then we'll close in prayer. Let's take an issue. Let's say you have a big decision to make. Let's, let's say you have a decision that you can go on a dream vacation, and the circumstances work out, and you can get off of work, you can get some time off, but you've maxed out two out of your three credit cards, and you're not really in a financial position to afford this dream vacation unless you max out your third credit card and deplete your savings account. Isn't it funny how we can talk ourselves into any decision if we really want to do something? But it's a little bit harder to do that if at first you ask yourself those three questions. Is this decision to max out my last credit card and spend my savings consistent with Scripture? And the answer to that question would be what, church? No, right? No. Now, God will let you run through one of these. This is called a red light, okay? God will let you run through a red light. It's called free will. But we know what can happen when somebody starts running red lights, right? That was an easy one. Let's pick one that's a little bit more difficult. This one might get me a few emails. But I'll be in India, so I won't read them, and I don't care. Okay, so here we go. God, should I date this person or marry this person who is not a Christian? Okay. Is that decision consistent with Scripture? When you look at the Scriptures, the answer is no. No. Now, we can talk about why you're the exception to the rule and they're really attractive and how you're going to do missionary dating and you're going to make them a Christian and it's harder to make someone more attractive than to make them a Christian. But God is not vague on this issue. And you can run that red light in your free will if you choose to do so. But understand this, that red light is given to you by God, not because he's being mean, but because he loves you and is trying to protect you from the consequences of living in a relationship with someone who is unevenly yoked from you in their relationship with God. Because God loves you and he knows that's hard and that's difficult in life. Now, let's go to a yellow light. If as you go through these three questions, you can't get a solid green light answer, what do you think you should do? Slow down. Slow down. If you have two wise counselors, mentors in your life, and one of them says, yeah, I think that might be a good idea. Another one says, I'm not so sure if that's a good idea. Slow down. Now, this is important because many of you see a yellow light on the road and you think it means drive faster and beat it, right? Raise your hand if that's you. Yellow means go faster. Okay, thank you. These are the honest bad drivers in the room, okay? Thank you for your honesty. Please slow down. 
But you need to understand, a yellow light means slow down, take more time, continue to pray. And let's be honest, many of us, we ask the question, is this decision consistent with scripture? And we don't know because we haven't been reading scripture. Many of us don't pray regularly. Many of us don't currently have any wise counsel in our life that we regularly meet with. And so the yellow light serves as a caution light to slow down and maybe research it, maybe get into God's word and pray and seek some wise counsel and ask them for advice. You've got to be proactive on this issue because if you don't understand scripture and you're not praying and you don't have wise counselors around you, you can't possibly make a good decision. It's not possible. Final thought. Let's say you've been presented with an opportunity like to start a new job and you work through the first and it seems consistent with scripture. There's nothing unethical or wrong about it. And the job excites you. I mean, it lines up with that thumbprint of God in your life, of your gifts and your abilities. And you talk to your wise, godly counsel and they say, well, yeah. I mean, we see God all over that. That, that could be a great fit for you. And you get to the end of all those questions and the answer is this, green light. Then what do you think you do, church? You go. That's right, you go. Now, here's what people ask me about the green light. They say, Pastor, when I get a green light, does that mean everything is going to work out perfectly in life? No. <laughs> no. That's not the purpose of the green light. The purpose of the green light is not everything in life is going to be roses and daisies. It's actually better than that. The purpose of the green light is to let you know that you have listened to God and you have placed yourself at the center of God's will, at the center of God's playbook for your life, for that decision. And that's the key thing that you're responsible for. You let God worry about what's next. So in closing today, it comes full circle to the first question that we asked in this series. God, what is your plan for my life? And when we process these three questions, is it consistent with scripture? Is it consistent with God's thumbprint on me? And is it consistent with wise, godly counsel in my life? We basically come in front of God and we say, God, what is your plan for my life? God, I love you. I want to live by your playbook, not mine. And when you come to that point, God will lead you because he deeply desires for you to know and for you to experience the playbook that he has for your life. So one last time, in the decisions you face, is it consistent with scripture? Is it consistent with God's thumbprint of how he uniquely created you and designed you? And is it consistent with wise, godly counsel? Because if you'll put yourself in position to better listen, I promise you, church, I promise you, God will speak. Can we pray together?
heads bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, we just, we thank you for being the incredible God that you are. A God who is not silent and distant and uncaring, but a God who is passionate about us. A God who loves us, a God who cares about our lives, who cares about our struggles, who cares about the things we're going through. A God who is the creator of communication and who desires for us to know him who desires for us to want to open up ourselves and say, God, what is your plan for me? What is your playbook for my life? God, I want to live for you. So we've kind of gone through this, this series these last couple of weeks. Maybe, maybe it was just in this message today. Maybe God has spoken to you and said, I've got a plan for you. Are you ready? And maybe your heart is stirred. And maybe today you're ready to say, yes, God. God, I've been going at it on my own for a long time. And God, today I'm ready to line up. I want your playbook for my life. God, I want to know what is your plan for my life. I want to be in your will. If that's you this morning, is just an act of faith. Would you just lift up a hand and say, God, that's my prayer. That's my honest prayer today on this Super Bowl Sunday, 2023. God, what is your playbook for my life? Would you just lift up a hand if that's your prayer today? If you would acknowledge, God, I want to know you. I want you to be in control of my life. Praise God. Praise God. Many of you. For those who didn't raise a hand, I, I pray that this is something that God will work on you with, will challenge you in the days and weeks ahead. Because one of the greatest decisions you could ever make in, in your entire life is to open up your life and say, God, I want you to be in control. Your plans are greater than my plans. I want to trust you with my life. God, for those who, who did respond today, I, Lord, I, I pray that you would just honor that you would honor that prayer today in just a tangible and powerful way, that you would honor it. For the person in the room today who would say, maybe for the very first time, God, God, I'm ready to surrender my life to you. I need Jesus, I need your son. Today I wanna move my faith off of myself and I wanna place it on Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. I believe that he willingly died on a cross for me, that he paid the price for all my sins, for all my wrongs, and that I'm invited to step in a relationship, a personal relationship with you, the God of the universe, that you call me your son, your daughter, that you invite me to be a part of your family, that you adopt me into your family. What an incredible love that is. God, I want that. I want to live for you. I want to love you every day for the rest of my life. Thank you for loving me first. Maybe that's your prayer this morning. God will honor that prayer in powerful ways. That'll be a first step on an incredible journey. And I pray today that whatever your prayer might be, as you're willing to to make God a focus in your life, allowing him 
to show you his plan, that God would honor those decisions and help you along the way, step by step by step, reading scripture, understanding your gifts and abilities, prayer, seeking wise godly counsel, trusting God along the way. May God bless that today. In Jesus' name I pray. As our worship team closes us in song, I want to invite you to stand and sing with us. And if there's some things, again, you need to just nail down, maybe you made a decision of faith today, maybe you made a decision to go all in today and say, God, you can have control. And you want to come up to these altars and you just want to symbolically kneel down and say, God, it's yours. I want to give you the opportunity to do that as well. Lord, I come, I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest, and without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you is found is where you are and where you Yeah. 
righteousness, O God, how I need you. It's where it begins, isn't it? That humble desire for God to lead us in our lives. Just a little reminder, looking ahead in the next couple of weeks, the season of Lent begins one week from Sunday, and many of you have already ordered or put your name on a sheet for this 40 days through the Bible. We're just encouraging any of you who would like to take part in that to sign up, and we can purchase that book for you. Um, these are $10, but we're happy to get the best discount we can, and also uh, perhaps you would like to order your own, but we'll be starting that next week. And also, if you're interested, one week from this Wednesday on beginning of Lent, Ash Wednesday, we will have a prayer service here, so we just want to invite you to uh, to come on out and join us for that. It's um, a little different type of service, very somber and prayerful, but very meaningful. That'll be 6 o'clock on February 22nd. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a word of prayer. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are not desiring to hide your will from us, but you are desiring to help us to discern, oh God, what is best for our lives. And so, Lord, show us your will. Give us that spirit of wisdom and discernment, Lord, and help us to plug into your word, plug into godly counsel. Uh, join a small group and be a part of accessing, Lord, your grace through the fellowship with others. Lord, again, it really begins when we just come with that humility saying, I need you. I need your will. I need your wisdom for my life. That's where it begins. Thank you, Lord, for helping us take that step. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, everyone. God bless. Lord, I need you.